The very first uh, message, the very first sermon that Jesus preached was really simple. He said, repent. Turn around because the kingdom, something he called kingdom of God is at hand. The, the, the dominion and the rule of God is entering in. It's coming. And so we need to turn around and turn toward God. But then he, he taught a lot more about what that kingdom looks like, what that kingdom is about. And we find that in this amazing uh, message that is in the book of Matthew uh, that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to be in a study uh, that I'm going to call Keys to Kingdom Come. Uh, the focus on this kingdom that is entering in. And how do we see that? And how do we find that? So uh, the big question when we start a brand new series is, where in the Bible are we? <laughs> Say that with me, please. Where in the Bible are we? I always want to know. And I always want to know where we are, where we're going, and, and why we're here. So we're in this uh, part of the Bible that we call Sermon on the Mount. It's this amazing moment when Jesus sat down on a hill on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. We know right almost exactly where it was. And word made flesh to dwell among us, opened his mouth and began to speak. It could not get more pure and more true uh, than this uh, area, this passage uh, that he gives to us. Three chapters in Matthew's gospel. Uh, it only takes about 15 minutes to read uh, those three chapters aloud. Isn't that amazing? And so you might say, well, Pastor Jeff, why don't you go to the Jesus school of preaching and learn from that? Okay, Because I go a little bit longer than that. Um, but, and we've been studying this actually for about nine months. We started last September. So you can find all of these messages uh, on, online and you can, uh, can regard those and, and, uh, and study those. But let me just remind you of where we've been. Uh, we began with eight blessings called Beatitudes that I compared to a launch. I think it's a if Jesus was here on the Space Coast, he would say, it's like a launch. You people understand that. And uh, he talked about these eight different aspects of our Christian life, the ignition, the fuel, the thrust, the position, the momentum, the path, the purpose, and the drag that pull against us. And it's a very powerful image uh, in his time. It was a little bit different. But how we are launched as believers and how we are on path as believers. Then he talked about engaging the world. How do we engage the world? And he gave these two very powerful object lessons. You are salt. Everybody knew about salt in that day. You are light. And those are so important. Salt preserves and it cleanses and it heals. And light drives out darkness. And so he wanted us to understand this is your function. Uh, you're going to be driving out darkness. You're going to be cleansing the, the culture that is around you. And, and so let me just ask you a, a, a question. Is it any surprise that worldliness pushes back against us? No. None whatsoever. Why do we think that the world and its worldliness would not push back against us? We see it all the time. He talked about the function of the law. Is the law just set aside or thrown away now that Jesus is here? No. Jesus fulfilled the law, but calls us to obedience to the, the things that are, are taught in the law that come from the heart of God. And then uh, we talked about these 12 topics. I called it word on. 
What is the word on? And these were critical things that he wanted us to know and to understand. Anger. How are we dealing with anger? Lust. Divorce. Oaths. Retaliation. Enemies. Our our giving. Our prayer. Our fasting. Our treasures. Our worry and our judging. Those are the 12 things he said, "I I want to talk to you about. And now we're at this point at the end of, near the end of this Sermon on the Mount where uh, Jesus in, in these uh, last passages is going to talk to us about what I'm going to call the keys to kingdom come. In other words, seeing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to have these five different topics, kingdom prayer, kingdom focus, kingdom authenticity, kingdom surrender, and kingdom resilience. The basic foundational choices that we make. And all of this comes out of uh, how he taught us to pray. He said, pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just heaven by and by. He's calling on us to pray in the kingdom. So let's say that out loud together. Ready? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're digging into. So we're in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. So let's hear the word of God. Let's hear what Jesus' word of God was saying uh, as he was on that hill, as he was speaking to us about kingdom come. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock. And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. (laughs) Or which one of you. If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those Who ask him. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father God, I want to (laughs) know how much more. I pray that in this word that you've given that you would help us to get a hold of this word. But also help this word to get a hold of us. In Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. We are probably all familiar with this place, which we can find on almost any corner these days. Amen? We're familiar with this. And this is actually an old uh, time picture. This is the one I remember. Uh, It's before there were gas pumps and stuff like that. Uh, And you might notice the Stingray bikes with the banana seats. Do any of you remember those? Those were the days. And we would ride there on those bikes. And it was the place to get candy and more candy and sneak over there and get a soda pop or something like that. And you might notice, I'm just going to say this for some of the younger folks, that over there on the right-hand side in the corner, you'll see this peculiar thing over there. 
You see that? Yeah. Some of you remember this. It was called a phone booth. Nowadays, a phone booth is the right-hand back pocket. That's the phone booth for most people, uh, younger people, these, and most of us these days. But uh, it's called 7-Eleven, and a lot of people don't know this. I talked to them. They don't really know. Why is it called 7-Eleven? But it's called 7-Eleven because many of us remember when nothing was open at 7 a.m. If you left early on a trip and you needed a cup of coffee, you weren't going to find it. There was no place. And if you needed uh, some milk early in the morning or late at night at 11, you were not going to get it. You were not going to find it. And a a company, a a store chain called U-Totem was the original name. They said, we're going to corner that market. We're going to open at 7 and we won't close until 11. Now they go, now they're 24-7, most of them. But we're going to open early and and so we're going to provide for the early morning coffee and the late night gallon of milk. Now you're going to pay a premium price for both of those, right? Uh, It's not the place that you want to go for good nutrition or a balanced budget. But aren't you glad it's there? Because it's convenient. I can get what I want when I want it. There's a lot of other things there too. And the convenience store uh, model... It caters to our lack of planning (laughs) and our tendency to impulse buy. I don't know if you knew this, but I I learned this this week. I was studying a little bit about it. And that 40 to 80% of all purchases are impulse buys. It's a marketing tool to get you to impulse buy. Don't believe it? Let me ask you, have you ever had this conversation? Let's stop by Walmart and pick up some milk. (laughs) And it's the most expensive milk in the world, isn't it? I mean, you go in for a, a gallon of milk, and, you, and it, I can't get out for less than 100 bucks. And I, I'll often say this. That's the most expensive milk I've ever seen anywhere. Because of the, you know, the other thing. Oh, yeah, I needed this. Oh, yeah, I needed that. I see a display. And so that's because of convenience and impulse. Because we tend to be people who, who want what we want when we want it, when we see it. And I thought about it this week. I thought, isn't it interesting that the address for our scripture uh, for this weekend is Matthew 7-11. Carries the same name. And and I I don't think that Jesus was trying to tie that in, you know. Of course, he didn't put the numbers on there. But I have noticed that some people treat God like a 7-11 convenience store. And partly based on the passage that I just read and a few others. And they will teach or, or they will say, uh, just ask, ask God for what you want and you'll get it. Just ask for God. Just ask God. And, and you'll get what you want. And you'll get it when you want it. And, and even better, the God convenience store is open 24-7. He never closes. You can ask anytime you want. You get what you want when you want it. And this is taught a lot. And, and there's even, uh, you, you know, some that is beyond that. We, we lift our impulse prayers instead of our impulse buys. And the problem is, what if I don't get what I want? Or what if I don't get an answer when I want it? Have any of you ever had that? Yeah. So, yeah. So what do I do? And, and sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, I, I say, well, have you prayed? Yeah, I did pray. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't get what I wanted. Didn't get it when I wanted it. And then I talked to some people and they say, well, I'm finding this new way to pray. Someone told me about this new way. And, and you just go and you say, I demand what I want. 
Be careful with that, friends. <laughs> I want to step away from that just a little bit. God has to do what I say if I demand. And this may be why Jesus communicated an understanding of God that is quite different. It's deeply relational. And we need to understand. It's in our text today. Jesus taught us to pray to God as our Father. And we want to know what that means. As our Father. Matthew 6, verses uh, 9 and 10. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, that's a rich call for prayer. He uses the word, Jesus used the word pater. Say that with me, pater. And it means father. I love this. Or forefather, so it can mean a grandfather. Uh, So it's a bigger kind of meaning, a bigger kind of relationship. It can actually mean parent. So it's even bigger than just a, a male parent. He says, pray uh, our father, our parent, our forefather uh, in heaven. And then number one is to hallow his name, reverence and respect his name. It's not demand of his name. This isn't what Jesus was teaching. But there is a tenderness, a precious tenderness in this relationship that we, we have to get a hold of and we need to get a hold of us. Jesus and Paul both use a more intimate Aramaic word. It's the word Abba. Say Abba, Abba. It's not not what we typically use, uh, but it means daddy. It's the word for daddy. Uh, Even today, uh, we'll be uh, in Israel and we'll be with our precious friend, Tippi Siegel. She's our guide that we use over and over. And she'll say, uh, well, when I was uh, growing up, my Abba, my daddy, And so it's a real precious kind of connection in Hebrew. goes back to Aramaic. And it's very interesting. You know, some people uh, would make us think this was used all the time. It wasn't used in the Bible as often as many uh, would make us think. Abba, Father, only appears three times in the whole Bible. In the whole Bible. But it powerfully communicates this relationship that God desires with us and desires us to understand with him Uh, Jesus used it only once, and it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. In in Mark 14, he says, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. He says, Daddy. He's he's in the garden. He's just hours away uh, from from the passion, you know. I mean, the passion really begins here. He says, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Boy, is that a statement of faith. All things are possible. I don't have any doubt. I don't have any doubt in you, in your power, in your control, in your scope of things. That you you have all things in your control. All things are possible for you. And then he says, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. Jesus had always, he had had been telling his disciples, this is where we're going, this is where we're going. But here he is facing it. And in his humanity, he says, remove this cup from me. And then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Why don't we say those words out loud together? Yet not what I will, but what you will. An ultimate expression of faith. And he uses this word. You know, there's a difference in the words that we use. Uh, Many of you have, have met my dad and I... 
I, I talk about him. Uh, I could say to you, uh, my father always taught me that tires are the most important thing. Make sure you replace your tires. He, he did. He, that's one of the things. He also said brakes are the most important thing. I'm trying to figure out which one. <laughs> um, but I, I might also say to you, uh, I've got to go because I'm picking up my dad at the airport. It's a, it's a little different word. It's a little different statement. But it's another thing to say, Daddy, I need your help. Daddy, I need you. I got a text uh, on Friday at 7.06 a.m. And it was from my son, my 35-year-old son who lives in Tampa. And it just said, Dad, pray for me. Now, he says, Dad. My daughter says, Daddy. My sons call me dad. He says, dad, pray for me. It's the same. (sighs) You know, I was in prayer. I don't even know what this is about. The next text comes. It says, my car broke down. Okay. I know that this is his commute time. He's commuting into Tampa to the school where he teaches. And then he, he says, I'm stuck on 301 blocking traffic. Rush hour. And then the next text, these are one after another. He said, I I put them down. Everyone is honking. Why am I praying? And then he says, tow truck will not be here for 20 minutes. And the next one comes, this is torture. So I just am praying and praying and praying. And I, I write back to him and I say, stay safe. And he writes back, seatbelt is on, bracing for possible impact. This is Friday. Daddy, pray for me. And then he wrote and said, an officer is now here. And he got to the repair shop and everything's okay. Praise God. Amen. But you want to get a dad's attention. Yeah. I'll, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Abba, Father. The Apostle Paul In Romans 8, he said, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Now, now some of your uh, ladies here, okay, what about us? By sons, sons were inheritors in that culture. He's saying, ladies, you are a son. You are an inheritor. You need to understand that. He's not trying to zero in on just the males. He's saying that you are inheritors and God, uh, God has adopted you. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now we can say, Daddy. He has made a way for you to say, Daddy. Abba, Father. Say, Abba, Father with me. Abba, Father. Galatians 4, he says it again. And because you are inheritors, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So the spirit of Christ is in us to cry out, Abba, Father. What a connection that is. And it's very, very revealing It's very revealing to me that at the most vulnerable moment in Jesus' life, the most vulnerable moment of prayer, Jesus called out, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not, not what I will, but what you will. And so it's very clear that we, and we need to get this, God is not a convenience store. But he is a good father who desires to give good gifts to his children. And he will always hear our voice. You say his name. He will, he will hear you. Don't, don't think that God hasn't heard you. God has heard you. This past uh, weekend, we were over uh, in Orlando at our other son's house. 
and we were there having uh, our Easter afternoon uh, dinner. And while we were there, in the middle of dinner, the adults were chatting, uh, and the kids were being attended to. And uh, our one of the children is our two-year-old uh, granddaughter. We have we have nine grandchildren now. One is on the way, but we have eight that are here. And Ansley uh, called out to me. She said, Papa. Now, she's at the opposite end of the table. Everybody's talking and everything. And she just looks right at me and says, Papa. And I'm right there. (laughs) I am right there. And Ansley's only two years old. um, But she looked down from the end of the table. And and I said, yes. And everyone looked. It kind of got everybody's attention. (laughs) Like, what is this about? And here's her question. She says, Papa, do you know how to turn on TV? Eye to eye. (laughs) She knows the answer to this question. (laughs) And uh, and so I I said, yes, I, I do know how to turn on the TV. And then she says, Papa, would you like Elsa? And she's remembering that when I, I babysat with them, uh, I don't know, a month ago, and we sat and watched Frozen and, and all that. And so I looked back at her, and I, what else can I say? I said, yes, I believe I would like Elsa. <laughs> you know, with grandchildren, it's kind of a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> Papa, would you like candy? <laughs> yes, I would like candy. This is the candy you are looking for. But she knew, she knew who to ask, she knew how to ask, she knew how to get my attention, Papa, and she looked me right in the eye. And this is what Jesus was teaching when he talks about ask, seek, knock. That's what he was, that's what he was teaching. Now, Ansley didn't know the Greek, but we want to know the Greek, right? Yeah. So what is the Greek? The Greek word that Jesus used, ask, is aitheo. Say that with me, aitheo. And it means to ask or call from the end of the table or desire or request. It's born of desire. It's asking for what we want, what we desire or what we need or what we think we want or what we think we need. Because sometimes, how many of you know, sometimes you think you wanted something and you realize later that wasn't really what you needed. And when we ask, it is specific. We ask specifically. And that's what Jesus is saying. Ask for what you want. Ask specifically. And sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, I don't like to do that because that just seems presumptuous. I don't think I want to ask. So I just say, well, Lord, just bless me. That's, you know, I, I think, I don't know, but I think God must say, come on. Give me something. That general bless me thing. God wants you to ask. And actually asking specifically helps us to connect with God. Because when he answers, we know specifically, I prayed for this. That's why we can write, if you journal or you write down prayer lists. I prayed for that and God answered that. And it builds our faith. The second word that Jesus used is the word seek. And it's the word zetheo. It's similar. Zetheo. Say that with me. Zetheo. Zetheo means to endeavor, to inquire, to seek, or to worship. It's different. It's a different word. We seek 
answers. We seek insight. We seek wisdom. We seek direction. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to pray for. I don't, I don't, I can't be specific, but I need to know where to go. I need to go what, I need to know what direction. And so this, when we seek, we seek openly. It's not specific. God, I don't know. So I'm seeking. And I'm seeking God's answer for me. And it's important that it's not the answer that I've already decided. That's not seeking if I've already decided. In seeking, you know, I was interested that the word worship is part of the definition of seeking. So it's about seeking the giver more than the gift. If you seek the giver, you'll find the gift that you need. He said it before. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek my righteousness. And then the other things will be added to you. The third word that Jesus used is knock. And it's the word cruo. Say that with me. Cruo. And, and it means to rap. Okay? It means not, not like... It's different from that. I knew some of you would be confused, okay? It means rap like that. And you know, I don't know about you, but if you want someone to come to the door, you don't tap. That, that's not going to get it. It's you rap on the door. I know some people that rap really, really strongly and confidently. You really know they are at the door. And we knock to know what door is open to our future. What is it that God wants us to be doing? We knock until the right door opens. It doesn't mean we hammer down one door because we've decided that's the door. He doesn't say knock down the door. He doesn't say that. But we keep on knocking. And how many of you know that you've had to knock on more than one door to get where God wanted you to be? When I was in college, I changed my major four times. And that's a low number. I know people who change their major more. And some people moved in one direction and they did one thing and then did another. Most of the people I talk to, they say, what I'm doing today is not what I ever thought I would be doing back when. And so we have careers that are different. We have things that are very different because we need to knock on some different doors. Amen? And, and we want to knock until the right door opens. Have you ever looked back and been grateful that God did not open a particular door that you knocked on? Yeah. Maybe it was at your high school class reunion. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> I prayed and prayed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about, all right? So ask and seek. By the way, uh, the Lord answered my prayers, just so you know. Okay? Very much answered my prayers. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, the verb tense is critically important. Some of you are going to point that out. Pastor Jeff, isn't the, isn't the verb tense important here? And it is. Okay. Each verb tense that Jesus used was a continued action. It's present tense. So what does that mean? Jesus said, literally, translated, keep on asking and it will be given. That would be a better translation. Keep on asking and it will be given. I have a need. 
I ask for a need. I keep on asking and I will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Don't stop. Keep on seeking. God, I need insight into this situation. It's so challenging. It's so difficult for me. This tough relationship I've been struggling with. This help I've been needing at work. This career change I've been struggling over. Whatever it is, Lord, I I need your direction. Keep on seeking and keep on knocking. Keep on knocking and the way will be opened to you. God, I need a new start. I'm not sure what it is. I need a new beginning. I need a a new job, a new career, a new approach to life. I, I need something. Keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. The way will be opened. You see, that verb tense speaks of persistence. And I I would have to say, if anything is lacking in our modern Christian culture, it's persistence. Uh, We we tend to start really well with a big splash. We can get going really well with a lot of hallelujah and a lot of hurrah. It's over time. Over time. How do we walk out the disciplined life? How do we walk out our, our walk with Christ, our way with Christ? Over time, persistence. And the Bible calls us to persistence in prayer, persistence in faith, and persistence in doing good. We could do a whole thing on on those three. But Jesus is talking about persistence in prayer. He talks about it again in Luke chapter 18. Listen to what he says. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's what Paul says later. Pray without ceasing. Always to pray and not lose heart. He said, he gives this parable. In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Wow, was he reading our newspapers? I've known some really good judges, okay? But apparently this is not anything new. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying... Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. I'm going to get rid of her. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not God give justice to his elect he is just (laughs) he is good he does respect and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night will he delay long over them I tell you he will give justice to them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he find faith on earth will he find us faithful Persistent. So it's a powerful statement here. Don't lose heart in your asking, seeking, or knocking. Don't stop. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. I talk to people and they say, but, but I didn't get an answer. Maybe you were not listening. That's really possible. I when we're so focused on the thing, the answer that we want, sometimes we don't hear the answer that comes. Or, or perhaps, did you know sometimes the answer is no? Yeah, sometimes the answer is no. 
And we redirect. We knock on a different door. We ask a different question. We ask with a different request. What we don't want to miss is that as children of the kingdom, we are to approach God with trust in his goodness. Wow, the way that he puts it. Jesus says, which of you, Jesus asks, if his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. I mean, it's a, it's a desperately silly scenario, hopefully. A stone looked a lot like a loaf of bread. Uh, the stones that had been rounded, you know, by tumbling in the river or whatever, they look, would look like a loaf of, of baked bread. And it, what a trick. Your son says, I'm so hungry. Could I have some bread? Here you go. Only to take hold and realize it, that's, a, that's a rock, Dad. <laughs> not very funny. Amen. Here's the thing. God does not trick us with the appearance of good. And give us something that is in fact bad. And then he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? Such a powerful form of comparison. He uses this phrase, how much more? Actually, Jesus uses that phrase six times in his teaching. It's called an a fortiori. <laughs> I, I didn't say that very well. A fortiori argument. It's a comparison argument. Uh, I like the way that D.A. Carson uh, paraphrases this. He says, if an earthly father who is fundamentally flawed and selfish, we are all fundamentally flawed and selfish. The best of fathers is fundamentally flawed and selfish. I hope that I, I'm a good dad, but I can tell you, I could tell you the times that I have failed, that I have been flawed, that I have been selfish. If an earthly father who is fundamentally flawed and selfish delights to do right for his children, how much more, say those words, how much more, how much more does our perfect heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Such a powerful comparison. The truth is, Your Father in Heaven delights in giving good gifts. Delights in giving the best of gifts. He's not stingy. James chapter 1 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift, whether we noticed or not, is from from above. It's from God. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He takes no delight in giving you second best We're giving you some disaster in disguise. He is not stingy. He is not ill-tempered. He is not abusive. That's not your heavenly father. Now, one of the the most difficult things about this whole teaching, maybe the most difficult thing for many of us in our faith, uh, has to do with our earthly fathers. One of the most difficult things Aspects is, is connecting with our heavenly Abba Father, and it's often rooted in our earthly father's selfish failings and, and absent or absence. You know, I talk to some people and they'll say, I, I had a perfect father. I'm always so glad to hear that. I don't know if they're kind of screening things a little bit, but they'll say, I had the best dad. I had the best daddy. I was always so close to my daddy, and I, I, I miss my dad so much, I had a perfect dad. 
But I talk to others who would never, they just are silent because they would never say that. They begin to share a little bit and they would share how difficult, how hard, how tough, or how absent, how they felt abandoned. They did not have that. If you had a really, really good father, thank God for that. It it is helpful in connecting with Abba Father, okay? But what if, what if I had a bad father? What if I had a bad dad? Oh, how much more? <laughs> how much more we need to get to know Abba, Father? That's our, that is our healing, really, is to get to know our Abba, Father, and to connect with Abba, Father, because that, that fills all of the emptiness, and it connects and it heals. It may take time, but that is where the healing is. So we need to get to know him and we need to learn how to ask and seek and knock. Now let me say something, and I want to say this very carefully, okay? Is that persistence in asking, seeking, and knocking is not demanding. He's not teaching us to demand things of God. Sometimes I hear people and, they, and the way they teach, there's a kind of arrogance that's taught regarding faith. Well, I I deserve this, you know, this is mine. And so I'm going to, I'm going to take this um, and I'm going to tell God what to do. And so the way I would put this is that asking is not tasking. You know what tasking is? Tasking is if I say, I want you to go out and do this out in the parking lot. That's tasking someone. We don't ever task God, we ask God. It's so important for us to know the difference. Uh, We don't command God to do our bidding. Because when we do, who is God in that moment? Who is is the Lord in that moment when I'm tasking God with something? Also, uh, seeking is not speaking things into existence. We hear this taught sometimes. You just speak it into existence. And I understand that words are powerful. Our words are very powerful, and we need to know that. We need to be careful with our words. But uh, only God is able to create and make things happen. The, the phrase is ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. God went, there wasn't anything, and God spoke, and, th- and the, the universe came into being. Light became light, and earth became earth, and water became water, and sky and expanse, and everything became out of nothing. He spoke it into, well, we can't do that. We are not God. And we need to understand that. And knocking is not naming and claiming, okay? Knocking is persistently asking and pursuing the will of God. The will of God, it's all through this teaching. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we want to persist in approaching God with the knowledge that he knows the very best and desires the very best for us. That's not a cop-out. It's consistent throughout Scripture. Isaiah 55. It's one of my favorites. I bring it to you pretty regularly. Uh, God says this. Let's read this out loud together. This is the, the words of the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth... 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. How many of you know God knows more than you know, sees more than you see, has wisdom bigger than your wisdom, has a perspective larger? That's what he's saying. And that's what Jesus was saying uh, in Gethsemane. Abba, Father, Daddy, he said, all things are possible for you. I do not doubt that. Remove this cup from me. That's what, I, that's what I request. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. I've actually heard people teach that to pray that prayer, not what I will, but you will, is a faithless prayer. How can that be? Our Lord Jesus prayed it at the most difficult and desperate time of his human life. And so we we can pray that in faith and trust that God knows best. Amen? Amen. And this is uh, the kind of prayer that is a key to seeing his kingdom come, seeing his kingdom. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Always pray and do not lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? That's when we hang up the phone. And say, I'm not, they used to hang up, you remember? (laughs) And do not lose heart that we may be found faithful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this prayer key would get a hold of us. That we would learn the persistent pursuit of you your will, your desire, your desire to give richly and and warmly the things that we need, to hear the desires of our hearts. And God, we, we, we lift this to you that we might know that key and that you would enter into our families and our lives and our church powerfully as we discover kingdom prayer. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen.